because of COVID, and again, you know, a lot of internships uh, opportunities were no longer readily available to our students, we had to find these creative ways of connecting our students to the world of work. And one of the ways we were able to achieve that was by developing a diversity career panel series, uh, which really stemmed out of our mission to address inequities, to be able to increase representation on our campus so that our diverse student populations are able to to relate to industry professionals and be able to see career as something that is attainable. The workforce landscape is rapidly changing and educators and their institutions need to keep up. Preparing students before they enter the workforce to make our communities and businesses stronger is at the core of getting an education. But we need to understand how to change and adjust so that we can begin to project where things are headed before we even get there. So how do we begin to predict the future? Hi, I'm Salvatrice Kumo, Executive Director of Economic and Workforce Development at Pasadena City College and host of this podcast. And I'm Christina Barsi, producer and co-host of this podcast. And we are starting the conversation about the future of work. We'll explore topics like how education can partner with industry, how to be more equitable, and how to attain one of our highest goals more internships, and PCC students in the workforce. We at Pasadena City College want to lead the charge in closing the gap between what our students are learning and what the demands of the workforce will be once they enter. This is a conversation that impacts all of us, you the employers, the policymakers, the educational institutions, and the community as a whole. We believe change happens when we work together, and it all starts with having a conversation. I'm Christina Barsi. And I'm Salvatrice Kumo, and this is The Future of Work. Hi, and welcome back to The Future of Work. In today's episode, we do a deep dive into another department on the PCC campus that partners directly with the Economic Workforce Development Team. We talk once again to Jacqueline Javier, Manager of Work-Based Learning, to catch up on all that she has been working on since we last checked in back in the fall of 2019. Here's Salvatrice Kumo and her co-host, Leslie Thompson. Welcome back, listeners. I am here today with two very special leaders. First, my co-host for today, EWD's Director of Operations, Leslie Thompson. Leslie, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you? You ready for this episode? Super excited. I'm very excited. I can't wait to reveal our guest. You probably heard Leslie and I chatted up on a pre- on the previous episode, uh, right before this one, where we talked a little bit about you know, an insider's look and and Leslie's perspective on it. But Leslie, how about you and I introduce our special guest today, Jacqueline Javier, PCC's Manager of Work-Based Learning. Jackie, how are you? Hi, Salvatrice and Leslie. I'm doing great. Super excited to be back. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, you're very, very welcome. Welcome. We have, we right, Leslie, we have the, we have the pleasure of working with Jackie really closely here at PCC. And I'm particularly excited about showcasing Jacqueline's growth from the last time we spoke to her. You know, Jackie, you are one, you are one of my earliest guests of the podcast when we were first developing it and we first launched it. In fact, for the listeners, as a update, or if you want to look back at somewhere here, the previous episode, it's episode 17 with Jacqueline Javier, The Power of Internships. 
but that was when we first launched and you were really kind of in the early stage of development with the program. And both Leslie and I know that you have done so much in such a short period of time. And we're going to pack it all in in the next, (laughs) you know, 20 to 30 minutes. So what's new? What's 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 happening? Yeah, it seems like it was just yesterday uh, that we were having a conversation about internships and my new role here at Pasadena City College. So as an update, I have now been in my role for a year and a half now, and it has been a wonderful experience. Although, you know, with COVID-19, you know, affecting higher education, affecting some of our programming, we were still able to pivot and, and have significant impact on our students here at the campus. But I will say this, though, Salvatrice. Uh, as anyone who's new in their position, it really takes a great leader to be able to reach these milestones that we've been able to accomplish in work-based learning. So thank you and and big shout out to Leslie for for your great leadership um, in our EWD division here at PCC. In this last, yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) Absolutely. And Ever since the last time that we had a conversation, one of the biggest changes and something that I'm really grateful for is that our team has actually expanded. So we now have uh, the support of Stephanie Lopez, who is our intermediate clerk for work-based learning, and she really helps us with communication and information management to ensure that our students have access to internships and you know are aware of upcoming deadlines, which is really important. And we also have three uh, part-time uh, staff members on our team that support with internship advising sessions, which enable us to provide one-on-one support to all of our students and also provide some support around event planning and program development. So that's something that I'm very proud of. And, you know, we would not be able to reach uh, the many things that we've been able to accomplish without, you know, the support of the entire work-based learning team. So thank you for supporting that that effort. You're very welcome. I think it's all Leslie. Oh, well, you know. No, no, no. It's all, it's all smoke and mirrors. I mean, I was, I was thinking back as you were talking about your reflecting on your last year and a half. And I remember when we interviewed Jackie yes. for this position and we had, you know, it was a open and competitive recruitment as it often is here at the college, but we knew then that she was going to do amazing things. And That's right. I'm really excited to hear about some of those amazing things. She has not disappointed. So yeah, we were it's you, Jackie, and we're really excited yeah. to hear about it. Mm-hmm. Wow, no pressure. No. Thank you so much. None whatsoever. <laughs> Thank you. None whatsoever. Don't disappoint <laughs> Thank you us. For that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's really exciting. And as I mentioned, you know, uh, we had to do a lot of our planning. We had to revisit our programs and we had to redesign and go back and really think critically about what what projects are we going to pursue now that we're 100% remote? Because I was in my role maybe six months before COVID strike, and then we had to change our plans. That's but important. See, that's I'm, important right there. It's like, here yeah. you are, you just started your career with us six months in, you're barely getting your feet wet. And what you thought was going to be, you know, your year out projection on conducting services and programming, now you're just like, boom on the dime, got to switch it up. Big disruption. Mm hmm. Huge disruption. And and on top of like building a brand new team. So, you know, what was what I'm sorry to interrupt you, Jackie, but I got you know, it's I thought that it's really important to note because the agility that needed to happen and the flexibility that needed to happen. We found that you did that exceptionally well. 
it's important to know that you know you were in this you were in your role for only six months you're trying to get your you're barely getting your feet wet you're barely kind of addressing like the formation and the infrastructure of your team and your programs and then boom we go remote and so now you're having to rework all of that pivot and adjust to now a new kind of demand and a new need from not only the student but from the employers and you know, the need of our local economy as well. And so for our listener, let's dig into, you know, those programs that you had to redesign or, or and or create for this for this new environment. Yes, absolutely. As you mentioned, when I started in my role, which was in late July of 2019, Uh, you know, my first trimester was really spent on getting to know who the key players are on campus, who our industry partners are engaging with our different colleagues here at the Freeman Center who are also involved in programming and in employer relations. Um, And one of the things I was really excited about was uh, planning for summer. So I knew that summer 2020 would really be my opportunity to continue to pitch the importance of internships since we know more than half of internships uh, throughout the year happen in the summertime. And um, as we were nearing, you know, February, the beginning of spring semester, and then COVID happened, we had to shut down the entire center, revamp our services and go 100% online within a week's time span. And that really put the future on hold. We didn't know how we would hold these internships, if we would even have any internships in the summertime. So as, you know, time went on, uh, you know, we went into late March, we started to hear back from a lot of our industry partners who were saying, you know, that the uncertainty on their end was also difficult. And for those reasons, they were either canceling or postponing their internship programs in the summer. And so you can imagine I was quite devastated, not only for myself, but more so for our students, um, especially those who were really depending on the summer term to be able to engage in internships, and really start to get a foot in the door in their in their future careers. So one of the things that our team did is we created a spring program, which we called the Career Readiness Week. And we recruited more than 20 industry professionals to participate and host mock interviewing sessions with our students, especially those who were transitioning out of PCC, either transferring or going into the workforce. We also held multiple career panel discussions that were open to all of our students in different career communities. And we also invited students who were in the employment phase, who were in the process of applying to jobs or internships to meet with an industry professional to have their resumes reviewed. And so this was a really amazing way to engage our students, considering that we were not going to have as many internship opportunities available in the summertime. So that was a program that, you know, was created and facilitated between the Office of Work-Based Learning in collaboration with our colleagues in the Freeman Center. And we had more than 120 students participate in that, which was quite amazing considering it was a month of high intensity, lots of chaos, and lots of uncertainty. After that, you know, as summer summer went on and, and we realized a lot of our employers were trying to find creative ways to host their internships virtually, uh, we decided that we would still have an employment fair in the fall. So typically at PCC, we have a job fair that happens every spring semester. But now that, you know, I came on board and we're able to focus more on the internships, we decided to do a virtual employment fair in fall of 2020. 
2020, which included jobs and internships. And in that virtual employment fair, we had more than 430 students participate. And we promoted more than 150 employment opportunities, a combination of full-time and part-time jobs and internship opportunities. And more than 30 employers also participated in this event, um, half of which were new connections to our college. So I think it really speaks to how we were actively recruiting employers and establishing partnerships that would increase access to opportunity for our students. Was our method to the madness? I mean, were you focusing on like a specific sector or were you, you know, how, how did that, how did you drum up business from the employer's side to participate or, or is there a specific focus area? Yeah, that's a great question. We were really lucky to be able to recruit employers that represented 10 different industry sectors. Um, so even though, uh, you know, it was a virtual fair and it was f- rather small in comparison to what we normally hold on campus, we were still able to promote, you know, 150 employment opportunities that included our six different career communities. And the way that we recruited the employers, it was really a, t- a team effort. You know, we had a working group that was supporting a uh, in the development of the employment fair and a couple of us took the task of doing the outreach. You know, it was myself, uh, Mayra Basteris, who's our job developer at the non-credit division, Yajaira de la Paz, who's our job developer here at the main campus, and also Jason Barquero, who is our uh, director of the Freeman Center. So the four of us really took the lead on the outreach and in engaging our employers. Of course, we also had the support of a couple of our business intermediaries in terms of recruiting these employers. But I think what's really important about this event is that we were able to provide current and in-demand job opportunities where students were able to get access to immediate hiring positions. And, you know, we received a lot of great feedback, a lot of students who interviewed and landed positions in a time of dire need. You, know, you mentioned a keyword, and I know that this is going to really spark Leslie right now, is you talked about keyword access. Yes. Now more than ever, right? What are programming or what kind of programmings or program is happening that really underscores the attention to access for our students. Specifically, I was interested in hearing more about the diversity panels that uh, you introduced this year. I think those are super exciting. If you could tell us a little bit about the impact that's had and how you see that fitting into the larger goals around addressing issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion here at PCC. Yes, absolutely. So part of our role as a new work-based learning team at the college is, of course, to develop new programs, scale existing programs, and really increase representation at the college because our students need that, right? Because of COVID, and again, you know, a lot of internships opportunities were no longer readily available to our students. We had to find these creative ways of connecting our students to the world of work. One of the ways we were able to achieve that was by developing a diversity career panel series, uh, which really stemmed out of our mission to address inequities, to be able to increase representation on our campus so that our diverse student populations are able to relate to industry professionals and be able to see career as something that is attainable. And in our career In our diversity career panel series last year, which was very effective, and it was truly led by Isabel Ochoa, who is uh, one of our team members in the work-based learning team, and 
our goal in developing this program was to increase representation from industry professionals so that our you know students of color and, and students who are part of other marginalized groups can really see themselves in um, you know these different positions that oftentimes seem to be unattainable especially for those students who are first generation college students and the goal of this program was really to address the topic of diversity and how it is navigated in the workplace so these are topics that you know we don't normally talk about and it's so important to raise awareness of the different challenges and to be able to prepare our students to overcome those barriers once they enter the workforce and you know our goal is to empower our students to create these safe spaces for them to engage in self-discovery and to celebrate community and their resilience as they're navigating uh, you know the career path and academic paths that they are pursuing. That's awesome. Uh, can, when you talk about representation and the importance of representation, can you expand on that a little bit? I think that's super important when we're talking about students seeing themselves not just in particular roles, but also like reflected in, in services around them. Certainly on campus, we try to do that, but also at these opportunities when they engage with employers, I think that representation is really important. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. You know, as an HSI institution, we have a really high number of Latinx students. And for that reason, we developed a panel called Trabajo con Corazón, where we recruited different uh, Latinx professionals uh, representing different companies in the tech world, in the education world, in the entertainment world. And they really talked about, you know, how they were able to overcome a concept, you know, around familismo. So we know that in the Latinx community, we uh, have really close ties with, you know, family and, and culture and, and family responsibilities. So those were topics that were discussed. Uh, that helped empower our students to pursue their careers, even even through any stigmas or stereotypes that their families may have, especially in the Latinx culture. Beyond that, we also celebrated our students with disabilities, whether visible or invisible, and we recruited different industry professionals, including uh, you know companies like Microsoft, who came and talked about how they were able to overcome, you know topics of, of discrimination in the workplace or in hiring practices. I know that I learned a whole lot from our speakers, especially as they mentioned that, you know, when folks apply to jobs, not all the time are interviews uh, friendly for those with disabilities or, you know, instructions that are given to them. So it was a lot of learning for everyone who was participating in those panels. And, you know, other other groups that we are really trying to empower and, and be inclusive of are our Native Americans students, our LGBTQ community, our, our black students by celebrating, you know, their resilience, and our API student groups who are also uh, here at PCC. So we are trying to bring opportunities to our historically marginalized student groups and make more presence um, in career and make those connections for them so that work-based learning and internships are something that they are comfortable and empowered to pursue. That's amazing. I love that that's central to a lot of the work over at the Freeman Center in general, but I love that you've incorporated that in work-based learning too, because as we know, a lot of marginalized students don't have access to those networks, don't have access to opportunities. Um, I wondered if you could talk a little bit about, kind of along the same vein, about the importance of paid internships and and why you've made that a priority 
uh, in pursuing and how that kind of ties into better serving our underrepresented students? Yes, thank you, Leslie. We know that there are racial disproportionalities in internship representations. And also one of the most impactful work-based learning experiences a student can engage in are internships. And one of the things that our team did, we looked at different data that was provided both from our Office of Institutional Effectiveness, but also from organizations like NACE, which is the National Association of Colleges and Employers. Um, And all of the data shows uh, significant disproportionalities in terms of race and ethnicity, internship attainment, and even compensation, which is why we are very adamant about recruiting paid internships for our students. And uh, we know that black students are more likely to be unpaid interns, that our Latinx students are more likely to never have an internship at all. And that really links to, you know, how confident they are in pursuing those opportunities. And we also know that our white students are more like more likely to be paid interns than unpaid. So clearly there is a equity gap. And one of the ways that we are trying to address those gaps is by partnering with employers and different organizations that are committed to increasing opportunities for our diverse and marginalized students. You know, organizations like Health Career Connection or even Inroads, you know, they are organizations that provide direct access for our students of color to be able to have paid internships. And I'll even take it further by saying that although we see these racial disproportionalities, we also have to think, you know, beyond the racial issues. This really has a lot to do with uh, financial statuses of our students. So for students who are coming from low-income come backgrounds, a paid internship can really make the difference in their career trajectory. And if we limit them to unpaid internships, not only are we, you know, unintentionally having them commit to something that would put their basic needs at risk, but we are also um, telling them that that unpaid internship will make a bigger difference for them than, you know, them focusing on on actual part-time work and maybe engaging in a micro internship or in a shadowing experience. So having said that, we are also in the process of developing micro internship partnerships so that these experiences can also be readily available to folks who have to juggle, you know, full-time work with full-time school, but not put their career development in pause. That's amazing. I ask you a question. When you started a year and a half ago, did you think you were going to be doing all this cool stuff? Absolutely not. But I'm so (laughs) grateful. I'm so grateful that, you know, this role in this department has really granted me the opportunity to be creative, to make informed decisions about what projects we we will pursue and which ones we're not. You know, typically when... um, you know, people are in work-based learning positions. Uh, you know, the, the goal is really to increase access to internships. But something I'm really proud of is that our team is really diving deeper into real equity issues and gaps that we need to address so that when we do develop a program, it's a program that is developed by putting students at the forefront. You know, what are their needs and not make assumptions about uh, what works best for them. You know, we're letting them tell us what they need. Right. That's, I think that's key to good programming across the board. Don't, wouldn't you say, Salvatrice? I would. And, and part of that good programming, and, and you, so Leslie and I know this, but I think it's really important for our listener to know that good programming is as good as we track it. And 
That's right. If we're not tracking our outcomes to the programs, then we don't have room for growth and we don't have room for iteration and we don't have room to address and be nimble, you know, again, about what's really kind of needed out there. And, and we don't know how well we're doing. And how well we're doing, right? Like how, if, we're, if we can't measure it, how do we know that it's really working? And, you know, you have spent a ton of time trying to track this stuff because as a system, as a community college system, it's a little tricky. And I know that you've had to really kind of create some partners here on campus and, and work on that piece that wasn't already built in. So, you know, I'm always in awe of you because not only were you, and Leslie too, we talk about this all the time, is that not only were you working on programming, but you had to simultaneously work on how do I start tracking this? How do I build an infrastructure that tracks? Let's talk about that a little bit. You know, I've been so honored to have built a really great relationship with our friends at the Office of Institutional Effectiveness, particularly uh, Tanisha Laney, which I think was featured in a previous podcast episode. She was. So shout out to Tanisha. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, when I started, one of the main tasks at hand was to develop a plan for centralizing work-based learning activities at our college. And for the longest time, classroom level data has been collected. And I think that that's a bit easier to track because we know that our faculty are actively uh, tagging work-based learning and um, letting us know, you know, what types of work-based learning activities they are facilitating in the classroom. But one of the challenges is how do we track student level work-based learning data? So how do we track the student that is engaging in an internship and is not letting anybody know about their success? And uh, as an office of work-based learning, we are able to collect that data and then share that data with the institutional effectiveness team. And it's been really exciting to see these success stories. And I will also share that part of our data collection plan, which I didn't I don't think we expected this to happen, but with the development of our internship courses, we are able to provide academic credit for students who are participating in paid and unpaid internships. And um, that has been also, uh, it's been a great method of tracking data for internships and formalizing partnerships with our industry partners who are hiring PCC students for their internships. But even more so, uh, you know, with uh, the hiring of our internship advisors and having an intermediate clerk, a devoted intermediate clerk for the Office of Work-Based Learning helps us track the data as well. Um, So slowly but surely, as more people on our campus are realizing that, you know, we exist and we're here to support, um, we are able to collect this uh, student reported data for work-based learning and then cross-reference it with classroom data so that when we report it to the chancellor's office, it is inclusive of work-based learning happening across the campus, which often, you know, sometimes it's not always tacked to an academic course. So it's really nice to be able to tell that story. It certainly is. So many great things happening over in the Office of Work-Based Learning. I'd like to turn now to talk a little bit about employer engagement and ask you if you can share with us and our listeners what you do to gain employer champions and develop partnerships. I know we work with a couple of business intermediaries that help Uh, make connections for us, but certainly you must do your own outreach and recruiting. And and how do you 
how do you help select the right employers and how do you get them to champion our work and see the value of providing opportunities for our students? Yeah, thank you for that question, Leslie. So one of my favorite things about my role is working with industry partners who are interested in hiring our talented PCC students for internships. And it's really neat to see where employers are in that process. Some employers have, you know, well-established internship programs and are knowledgeable of, you know, best practices for recruitment and for placement, whereas other employers are barely getting started. And I'm really able to provide like that almost like consultation service for them. And in my conversations, I oftentimes find myself having conversations about you know, what the ideal candidates would be for their organizations, but also being able to identify a shared goal between PCC and the employer and informing them of the different talent that PCC produces through our students and how different internship positions can be created, even if it doesn't make sense for that particular industry. So some employers, because they are probably in the tech world, will oftentimes think about interns in the tech field. But, you know, what about HR internships? What about marketing internships? You know, communications internships? There is a lot of opportunity to hire interns from many different industry sectors because businesses are built um, out of diverse talent. And so I really enjoy having those conversations with employers, which I think really excites them because it encourages them to think outside the box when they're thinking about internships and what they're organizational needs might be. And then additionally, uh, I've had conversations with employers who will come to PCC and say, you know, PCC is such a great institution. I'd love to hire interns, but I normally hire interns from four-year universities. And that to me gives me an opportunity to, you know, raise awareness of who our community college students are. There is the stigma, right? There's a stigma around hiring community college students, like they're too young, they're coming from high school into college. Um, But that's actually not the case uh, across the board. We have the most diverse student uh, population in comparison to any other higher education institution. You know, our students represent, you know, young learners, we have adult learners, we have students with bachelor's, master's, even doctorate degrees, uh, who oftentimes are coming to a community college to upskill or to change their careers. And so when I'm able to have space in these conversations and inform our employers about the demographics of our students, it really changes their mindset of who they're hiring. And it makes them even more convinced that hiring from a community college is probably the best way to recruit a diverse and and strong workforce. And that's that's the challenge, isn't it? Always always a challenge to kind of sell the value of the pipeline, the talent in the area. Like we're always trying to to sell that value in one way or another in different conversations. I think Salvatrice, even in conversations that you have, you're probably also doing a little bit of that too, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not just, you know, all programming really. I mean, just that stigma around, you know, all programming around community colleges that our students are just as prepared to come to compete. Right. Sometimes right. perhaps maybe have even have a, a better advantage in competing. But I really appreciate that very much, Jackie, because, you know, we do have to work together as a community. We have to work together in embracing and embodying new talent here locally. 
and across the district and across our region. We're going to wrap this up, Jackie, but I, I think I speak for both Leslie and I that we are both very proud of you, your resiliency, and even your character around your pride in your work that really kind of sets you apart. It really does set you apart from all the other, from leaders in this network that are doing this work. That one of the great things about being at PCC and at being at any institution that, that you have a fondness for, the real uh, value add uh, lies in the talent, right? And the importance of the, the folks that work here and do this work and it has to be important to them and their heart has to be in it and uh, bringing it back to Jackie and her being here a year and a half like you know we got good talent here she's doing good work and her heart's in it and I think that's important too yeah Um, just wanted to to mention that yep keyword your heart's in it heart's in it and maybe I'm answering this question for you but you know for a listener who is you know hearing this for the first time you know uh, I'm kind of curious too is that what would you say, and you're probably going to say like, oh gosh, Salvatrice, it's a list of things. Um, <laughs> what makes your office and your program unique in the community colleges? What makes your program unique? What makes your office unique? And, and, and what sets you apart from, from other community colleges? And, you know, and, and especially for those listeners who are trying to develop their own, right, who are trying to create their own paths and their own programmings within their organization. Yeah, thank you for that, Leslie and Salvatrice. I quite literally have a smile from year to year. <laughs> so thank you so much. You know, and I'm going to put it a, a little back on you uh, by, oh dear. by saying that the <laughs> by saying that the Office of Work-Based Learning is automatically special because it is a program that was only made possible through the Division of Economic and Workforce Development at PCC. Without EWD, the Office of Work-Based Learning would not exist. Um, So first and foremost, kudos to you, Salvatrice, for your vision in developing your um, department. But, you know, when I think about the micro level, you know, the Office of Work-Based Learning is really focused on fostering a culture of collaboration at this campus. And what that means is that we are really trying to provide support to anyone and everyone that is interested in creating work-based learning programming. So this includes our faculty, our deans, our staff members, our colleagues who are leading different programs on campus who want to start to connect their students to industry. So I think that's what sets us apart, that we're very vested in creating collaborations, creating partnerships, both at the college and in the community. And, you know, we have this really unique opportunity to make a lasting impact. If we all just work together, we know that it takes a village to make these things work and to increase access to our students. So having said that, you know, I feel very honored and very privileged to be that liaison, to be able to connect the dots and put students at the at the center of our work to ensure that they are prepared for the future of work. Uh, oh, funny, funny, I said that future work podcast. Um, <laughs> but putting students at the center, that's really what sets us apart. And um, we oftentimes talk about meeting the student where they are meeting the employer where they are, we wouldn't be able to do that if we didn't have a devoted team that focused on work based learning, because our meetings are and our programs and our planning sessions are all focused around meeting our students where they are, and helping the employer recruit talent early on, 
early in the pipeline so that when these students either transition from PCC to the workforce or from PCC to a, a university, that they are aware that, you know, those students can become their potential hires in the future. Well said, Jackie. Vested interest in the community and we as a as an entity of the college have a vested interest in you, listener. And so please connect with us. And Jackie, for those who out there listening who want to connect with you separately, where how should they connect? For those of you who want to get in touch, um, you know, you can either send me an email or connect on LinkedIn. I mean, we are really active on LinkedIn as well. If you were to search my name, Jacqueline Javier, I should pop up. It does say on my headline manager of work-based learning at Pasadena City College. But you can also send me an email. Um, my email address is jjavier6 at pasadena.edu. And I also have a phone line, which is 626-585-7984. Although right now, because we are working remotely, I may not be able to um, answer the phone calls unless I'm in the office. So it's kind of a tricky situation right now. Email is probably best. Great. Thank you. And we'll have those in the show notes. Jackie, it's been such a pleasure. Leslie, co-host, thank you. Um, thank looking you forward so to doing more of these with you. This was fun. Let's do it I again. I enjoyed this. Absolutely. Sign me up. Yes. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you so and much. we'll catch you at the next episode of Future of Work. Thank you for listening to the Future of Work podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite listening platform so you can easily get new episodes every Tuesday. You can reach out to us by clicking on the website link below in the show notes to collaborate, partner, or just chat about all things Future of Work. We'd love to connect with you. All of us here at the Future of Work and Pasadena City College wish you safety and wellness.